Well, we are in our uh, new series, From This Day Forward, and uh, we're in week two. Last week, we talked about seeking God together, and we said that we were going to grab the hand of our spouse or our future spouse. We were going to pray together every day. And if you're single, we want to give you some tools. We want to help you in the process of not only picking the right person, but being the right person so that God can bless you with the right person. If you are already married, we are making five commitments that can fail-proof your marriage. We honestly believe this. We think it's from God. And if you do these five things, then your marriage is going to be better. Now, today we're going to talk about fighting fair. Next week, we're going to talk about how to have fun in our marriages. Uh, we may talk a little bit about romance. And uh, because how many of you know that a little bit of romance can be fun? <laughs> yeah. Last night, I, uh, Janie was going to stay up with the kids because I was going to go to bed because I get up early. And, and I said, uh, I said, baby, you got to come give me my 15-second kiss. And both my daughters went, ew, ah, yuck. And I said, all right, we'll do 15 minutes then, you know. Doesn't bother me. Uh, so romance is going to be fun. Then we're going to commit to staying pure. And finally, we're going to commit to never give up. So the five things on your listening guide, or if you're following along on version, uh, we put this online every week. If you don't know what that is, come see me afterwards, and I'll show you how to download that and how to find our uh, service. If you, if you have version, go to the live tab, and when you click on that, put in 75801, 75802, or 803, either uh, any of those, and our sermon notes will pop up. So five things we're going to do. Seek God, fight fair, have fun, stay pure, never give up. Got those on the screen? Uh, there we go. Never give up. It's at the bottom. We've had all kinds of technical difficulties today, so just use your imagination a little bit. All right, so I want you to say those five things. Ready? Do it again, louder. One more time, just for fun, because I'm having a lot of fun. All right, I heard that. Timmy, I picked out his voice, but it's because he cupped his hands. He was getting into it, pumping fists and everything. Thank you, Timmy. Appreciate you playing. Uh, so now, to, to introduce this topic of fighting fair, I've got a couple of bonus scriptures. They're not on your listening guide. They're not on you version. I just want to share these from God's word. There's a lot of wisdom in God's word. Proverbs 27, 15 says this, a quarrelsome wife is as annoying as constant dripping on a rainy day. There were like three guys and went, that's right. They tried to throw their voices so their wives would know that they, they agreed with that. But, but I mean, there's a lot of wisdom in this, right? Drip, drip, drip. If there's criticism, if there's constant complaining, constant nagging, it is like dripping on a rainy day. Now, ladies, I don't want you to be upset, so I have a verse just for you. Here it is. It is better to have severe hemorrhoids than to live with a husband who's a jerk. That's found in First Doug 4.12. Now, that's not in the Bible, but perhaps it should be, right, ladies? I mean, how many of you would go for the hemorrhoid? No, don't raise your hands. We'll have to have some counseling. Uh, Now, every couple fights. It's going to happen. You're going to fight. How many of you have ever fought over something totally, totally stupid? How many of you had a fight on the way to church today? And some of y'all are sitting by yourselves. What does that tell you? Okay. The last fight that that Janie and I had was over paintings. Dumb, dumb, dumb. I'm an idiot. Um, Because she had hid some paintings. And by the way, these are going to become famous, so I might as well tell you the whole story. 
Uh, before I got married to Janie, I bought these paintings, but because I was a poor youth minister, I couldn't afford paintings with, with uh, a frame on it. So it's just the canvas, you know, wrapped around the side. And so I put them up in my house and it matched the colors that I had. Well, Janie com- came in and she said, those pictures got to go. And so she said, I think they would look great in your office. And for 23 years, she has said, those pictures are, would look great in your office. Well, so my office back here doesn't really have enough room, and now that we're, we're, we've converted over here, we're going to have an office. And so she pulls out these things. These things have been in hiding for the past 12 years, gathering dust, I mean, hidden behind stuff. Every once in a while, I don't even remember where they were. Every once in a while, though, I would, I would go back there and I'd go, and I'd go, yeah, those look great in my office. So... This, I'm just being totally honest today. So when, when we decided to do the office and got the shelves built over here and we were ready to start moving stuff over, Janie pulls out these paintings. And, and I know my wife, and I'm an idiot, and I know she didn't mean it this way, but this is the way I took it because the male ego is the most fragile thing on the planet, right? Ladies say, hey, I know that's right, right? So she brings out these paintings and she goes... I got your paintings. I've saved them for you. And I said, what? She goes, for your office. We can put them in your office. Yeah. And, and I thought she was making fun of me. I'm, I'm being totally honest. I thought she was making fun of me. So I just looked at her, turned around, walked in the house, and went and brushed my teeth. And I thought, you know, I'm supposed to tell, this is what I've learned in 23 years, I'm supposed to tell what I'm feeling. So I walked back out. And I said, you hurt my feelings. And I felt like this midget, you know, kid. And uh, she goes, why? And I said, this is where I screwed up. I said, you've always hated those pictures. And it's kind of insulting to me that now that I have an office, you're jumping up and down, we can put them in the office. And she goes, what? And I said, why are you mad? I'm just sharing my feelings. And uh, it went downhill from there. <laughs> and uh, you'll, you'll be glad to know that after $800 of counseling, we're happily in love again. Um, but, but seriously, she, she actually, this is what's funny. We talked it through, and I said, I just assumed, and that's where I screwed up. I assumed that she hadn't liked the pictures. She goes, no, I love the pictures. Everybody that ever came into my old office, oh, we love these paintings. Now, y'all better say that from now on till Jesus comes. Um, they would go, oh, we love your paintings. Well, so, and, and I said, I just assumed, and I'm sorry, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? She goes, I would never make fun of you. And I said, I know, but I felt like it, and I hate feelings anyway. And uh, so then a uh, couple weeks later, she goes, okay, I need to show you something. She said, you're either, you're either going to love it, or you're going to be ticked off. And so I walked out, and she had gotten my paintings framed. And I said, oh, that's awesome. She goes, I didn't know. It could have gone either way with you. And, and I said, no, we talked it out. I'm good. Once I told you my feelings were hurt, they're not hurt anymore. It's awesome. So I got these awesome paintings. Anybody else ever had stupid arguments? Dumb things? Because, see, the, the paintings weren't even the deal. The deal was something else, that, that, that I was insecure about something or I had my feelings hurt, and so it escalated into a dumb fight because I assumed I knew what my wife thought. There's another time my wife had done this, and I think one time in 23, she, 23 years, she's assumed she knew what I was thinking, and she didn't. And I was like, mm-mm, baby, not this time. And I said, no, because she told me what she thought I was thinking. I go, no, that's the farthest thing. And I went through this whole deal, and I said, so now, because when you're, 
when you're right once in 23 years, you got to celebrate. You got to draw a line in the sand. So I said, let's fight because I'm right. And she goes, no. So anyway, that was all free. Uh, if you fight over dumb things, it's because you're human. Let me show you why from Scripture. Why do we fight? Because we're sinners and our sinfulness leads us to do sinful things. This is from James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. And it says, what is causing quarrels and fights among you? And then, then James answers the question. Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you do not have, so you scheme and kill to get it. Now, that's a little bit excessive, but, but in our marriages, sometimes we think about murder. Um, you're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God. We fight and quarrel because we see something somebody else has or we feel that somebody's doing something that they're disrespecting us. Guys, this happens all the time. You just don't admit it. Your wife hurts your feelings or you feel disrespected or you feel belittled. And, and so to show how tough you are, you bow up to your wife. That's brilliant. I've done it. Here's the thing. All couples fight, but here's, here's what we got to understand. Healthy couples fight fair. Unhealthy couples fight dirty. Low blows, uh, insults, criticism, accusations. Healthy couples fight for resolution. Unhealthy couples fight for victory. Uh, this week I came across the name of a, a researcher, and he actually has this, this whole institute. His name is Dr. John Gottman, and he and his wife have this institute called the Gottman Institute. And they've done tons and tons and tons of research over the past 30, 40 years. And he's actually gotten awards all over the world for his research on marriage and parenting and all of that stuff. Well, he did this groundbreaking research many years ago. He studied couples who fight for 16 years. He, he, over this 16-year period, he watched them, observed them, watched how they fight. And now, today, he can observe, observe you fighting with your spouse for five minutes and he can predict with 91% accuracy whether you're going to make it or not as a couple. Because he said it's not whether you fight, you're going to fight. He said it's all about how you fight. You fight the wrong way, it's going to destroy your marriage. You fight the right way, it can actually build your marriage. And as Christ followers, we're going to seek God, we're going to fight fair. So we have this, uh, this theme first verse for today, and it comes from James 1.19. And it says this, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, and you've heard this verse over and over again, but we're going to unpack it today. You must all be quick to listen. You must be what? What'd you say? Huh? Exactly. Quick to listen. Slow to what? And slow to what? Quick, slow, slow. All right. This one verse can bring incredible amounts of healing to your marriage if you'll learn the three rules for fighting fair. All right, let's unpack them. Number one, stop to listen carefully. Stop to listen carefully. All right. James 1.19 says, be quick to listen. So how many of you are quick listeners? Oh, I just want to hear what you have to say. Come on, speak to me, baby. No, right? How many of you are quick speakers? You said, what? We go from zero to let's fight in the blink of an eye, right? And, and you just mash on that accelerator and you start going, you, you what? And, and it doesn't even make sense how quickly and, and how we overreact. And, and when you do that, when you make your point and, and all you're doing is driving your point home, Satan laughs at you because you're destroying your marriage. And that's exactly what he wants. Now, how many of you think, because uh, Bradley said this to me today, 
We were standing out in the living room, and he goes, dude, our church is in trouble. That's what he's talking about. He goes, look at everybody on their phones. So there's like 50, 60 people out there waiting in the living room. They're all like this. Ain't nobody talking. Unless they're texting. Y'all do that, don't you? Teenagers do this. You're in the other room. Hey, mom. Right? Don't ever do that at my house. All right? I'll jerk a knot on your head. Anyway, um, how many of you think that you can text and listen at the same time? Y'all are lying. Okay, we got one, two. The rest of you do it, right? You do, all the time. And you think, okay. Now see, when Janie and I got married 23 years ago, we didn't have cell phones. My problem was TV, and specifically sports, because when we got married, Dallas was good. <laughs> and, and I watched games and I paid attention because it's good football. We won world, world championships, Super Bowl titles. We were good. And Janie, Janie would start talking to me and, and it, it became a joke. It wasn't a joke at first, but it became a joke because she'd go, are you listening to me? Uh-huh. What'd I just say? And I'd go, I don't know. And she'd go, you're not listening to me. And I'm like, but the Cowboys are playing, and they're good. And she'd go, I don't care, and she'd storm out. And man, DVR was the best thing ever for our marriage because I can just put it on pause. But you can't do something and listen to someone else. I'm sorry. You, you cannot focus on them, and that's part of the problems is we're thinking that we can do two things at once. And, and I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm offended if I'm talking to you. If we go out, let's say we go out to eat today, and, and, and I'm talking to you, and you're doing this. I'm offended by that. Anybody else? Because I'd, I'd rather be with somebody who'll look at me and talk to me. So, you know, we ought to have that thing. I read about somebody that they, they do this deal where they put it down at the restaurant. The first person to pick it up and check it pays the bill. I am for that because I can do it. I can ignore that thing. You don't have to answer that thing. I got a text. Hey, kids, it's like, oh man, it's just crazy. So my sister-in-law, now... Y'all remember when newspapers were a big deal? The actual ones you hold, not the ones you do online? Because I go online now. I get, I get the Palestine Herald Press, but it's just for local stuff. I mean, it takes me less than 60 seconds to read the Palestine Herald Press. There's just not that much in it. But I used to get the Dallas Morning News. My kids would make fun of me because they would say, well, actually, they would be upset because I'd come home on Sundays. We'd go get a, a paper, and they'd go, is this the big paper? Because Dallas Morning News, man, I'd read it all. And it would take forever, and they go, is this the long paper or the short paper? Because they knew when I finished, we would play. Well, my brother is just psycho when he reads the paper. He still gets the Houston Chronicle to this day. Well, his, his wife, I lived with them for several months, helped him build a house back when I was in college, and uh, he'd be reading his paper. Well, dude, when he reads his paper, he is not listening to anything. You could break into the house. You could pickpocket. Actually, you don't even have to pickpocket. You'd knock him over, take his wallet. He'd never know. So my sister-in-law would be talking to him, and she'd go, are you listening to me? And he's not even responding because he's not paying. So she would go and sit down on the newspaper in his lap and say, look at me. And he'd go, what? And being a loving brother, I go, man, you're an idiot. Your wife is talking. Of course, I've, I've done the same thing. We've all done that. Now, I, I want you to, to, to think about this. Don't let the simplicity of this instruction pass you by. When we start to fight, we have to stop and get our feelings out of the way and listen. Take the emotion out of the situation and attempt to comprehend what the other person's saying. When you don't stop to listen, 
Scripture is very, very clear what you are. Proverbs 18.2. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Fools don't listen. They just talk. Fools are like, I don't care what you're going to say. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to say, and I'm going to get my point across. And the Bible says, you're an idiot. That's Doug's in trans- uh, translation of that Scripture. You're an idiot. Try this method. It's like going through the drive-thru at a, at a restaurant. The other day I was at Taco Bell because like I'm, I'm cheap and Taco Bell's cheap and it's usually pretty fast. And so I'm there and I go to the drive-thru and, and I always order the same thing. Number four, meal deal because it's $2. You get a, a beefy cheese burrito, five-layer burrito, and you get uh, nacho cheese flavored Doritos and you get a drink. And so I go and I say, I want a number four meal deal. And the lady goes, you want a such a combo? And I went, what? I said, number four meal deal. And she kept putting the wrong thing. She goes, check your screen to see if it's right. And I'm going, it's not right. Well, what would you like, sir? And I said, number four meal deal. And, uh, and she goes, oh, number four meal deal. Yes, ma'am. Is it right now? Yes, it's right. Now, do you throw a hissy fit when, when somebody at drive through? get your order wrong? Some of you do. And uh, we should just film it and show it up here just to shame you. Because it doesn't do any good. What you do is you just keep going over. Is this what you said? No, this is what I said. Is this what you said? Until you get it right. Because when you do that, you're validating someone else's feelings. When you repeat back to them what they said, let me make sure I got this right. You feel like this when I do this. And they go, yes. And you're working on understanding. This is fighting fair, and it's smart. The other thing is it keeps you on the issue instead of fighting about what you're fighting about or fighting about how you're fighting, right? Because that's what we do. We, We start off with an issue, and then our feelings get hurt. I can't believe you said it that way. It's your tone of voice. I've never heard that before. Um... So we keep it on the issue instead of letting it get buried somewhere in our inappropriate behavior. So you stop to listen. You're saying, I I value you, and I want to hear you. Now, ladies, let me just do a little poll. Ladies, if you're in some type of argument and your guy said, I want to hear what you're feeling, would that appeal to you? Let me see your hands. Is that all? Okay, all right. Some of you just don't want to raise your hands. All right, all right, just check it. So stop to listen. Second, guard your words faithfully. James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, Proverbs 21, 23 is a great verse, but not a great verse to quote when you're in a fight or an argument. Here's what it says. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. Don't use that one as a blunt instrument to beat your spouse up today or whoever you're in, in relationship with. Um, you need to ask yourself two questions. When you're in a fight and you're about to say something, two questions you need to ask. First is, should it be said? Most of the time, what is the answer to that question? Should it be said? No. Second question, should it be said now? Because sometimes you have legitimate things that you need to talk about, but not in the middle of an argument. If you're driving on this road, this is the argument. You don't get to take the off-ramp and go over to this argument. You stay on the one till you finish, and then at an appropriate time, you bring something else up. So if you're on the way to the airport, this is actually one that, that I heard. You're on the way to the airport, and your wife says, we need to wash the dishes, and you're going, but we're late for the airport. And she goes, I don't care, wash the dishes. And you, and you go, well, 
are you worried that a burglar is going to break in and see dirty dishes in the, in the sink? And she goes, wash the dishes. Do not call her psycho. This was a pastor who did this. Called her psycho. He said it just didn't work. Didn't help the situation at all because it escalated into something else. Should it be said now? You attack the problem and not the person. Now, even if you follow these rules, you're going to get into fights and we're going to try to figure out how to fight fair. Let me give you some rules because if you're, let's just, how many of you are single? That goes teenagers, you're single, come on. All right, we're playing the game. All right, you need to decide a lot of stuff before you get into a relationship. Uh, we had, a, back when I was in youth group, we, we kind of came up with some ideas of what was appropriate guidelines for dating. And one of the things we tried to figure out was how far is too far, and, and we said we're not going to make those decisions sitting in the back seat of a car. We're going to make the decisions in a group, and we're going to hold each other accountable for those decisions. Well, here's what I think you ought to do when you're dating, when you're, when you're looking for a spouse. I think you ought to decide how you're going to be treated in an argument and lay down some ground rules before you're ever in a relationship. Because when you get in the relationship, you're going to be tempted or you're liable to be attacked because you didn't lay down some ground rules. So here's some ground rules, just some suggestions. Never call names. Unless it's your little pet name, you know, I love you, Pookie Bear. I don't do that. Ours is Babe. Hey, Babe. That's, that's about as silly name as I get. But you only use those names when you're, when you're being tender, not when you're in a fight. Never raise your voice. Nothing good comes from it. Step back, count to 10, breathe in, sing a song, say a prayer, say 14 prayers, pray in tongues. I don't know, whatever you have to do to calm down and not use a loud voice. Number three, never get historical. That is not a typo. My mom was the most historically accurate person who ever walked the face of the earth. She would tell you everything you ever did from the moment you were conceived until whatever birthday you were approaching. I'm serious. When she, she rolled out a whole list of things for my sister one time, and my sister's like, you're kidding me. Underwear she'd bought for her that you need to pay me back. Never say never or always. Because it's one of the fastest ways to offend someone else. Because never and always is rarely true. And, and I'm, I do this, I'll go, you always, you most, sometimes when you do this, it bothers me. Because it sure seems like you do it all the time. No, I, I don't go there. Never threaten divorce. This is like the nuclear option and, and I hear it. And you are going to divorce. If you're threatening divorce, you're going to divorce. You got to take that off the table. Um, we're not going to hit below the belt with that one. And then finally, never quote your pastor during a fight. Y'all laugh. People tell me, we'll be sitting, and, and I always point to the couch back there because a lot of times I do counseling out there. Now that we have the, the house over here ready, we'll do counseling over there. But I sit out there on the couch and, and people will say, well, Doug said, and I'm like, keep me out of it. You got into the fight. Get yourself out of it. Be an adult. Don't quote somebody else. Come up with your own stuff. Doug said, what? Make it your own. There you go. I like that. Make it your own. So we're going to stop to listen carefully. We're going to guard our words faithfully. And then we're going to handle our anger righteously. You will get angry, but we need to learn to handle it the right way. And, and the right way is, is being controlled by the Spirit of God. 
James 1.19 says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and what else? Slow to become angry. If you want to have a great marriage, there's some things you just have to say it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. Look at uh, Ephesians 4.26 and 27. And, and I think this may be the key to some of you surviving in your marriage. Don't, let, don't sin by letting anger do what? Control you. You know what it means when anger controls you? It means you are out of control. And, and look why. This is serious stuff. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. So you don't let anger control you. You don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Why? For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Being angry is not a sin. It's what you do with the anger while you're angry that determines whether it's sin or not. And, and this, this is a big deal for you. Don't go to bed mad. Because when you go to bed angry with unresolved issues, what you've done is you've cracked the door and, and you don't know that you've done this. You haven't consciously done this. But what you've done is you've opened the door and you've said, Satan, come into my marriage. Come on in. Because some of you, what you're doing right now, what, what is going on in your marriage right now, started years ago when you didn't resolve something. You cracked the door. Satan came in. Something else happened. You cracked the door a little wider. Satan came in, brought friends with him. And he's attacking and dominating your marriage because you didn't resolve something years ago. Now, Janie and I have stayed up for five days before trying to resolve it. Not really. I'm kidding. I'm exaggerating. We have stayed up all night. When, when we've had issues that we said, we're just going to talk through this. We're going to stay up. We're going to work at it. We're going to work at it. And, and eventually, we come to an, uh, an agreement. And, and you don't have to, well, I'll get to that in a second. So you may have to stay up a long time to get through all of it, but you do not want Satan in your marriage. It's all about seeking God, and we're going to fight fair. Now, those of you who aren't married, let me give you a little hint. The minute you get married, you just are infused with the ability to fight dirty at night. Right? Can I get an amen? Here's what happens. Now, this is what happened in my marriage. Sweet little Janie. Y'all know I got to be a butt to make her mad, right? Okay. I would come in and she'd be laying in bed because I was in seminary when we first got married. And so I had this insane schedule. I was a youth minister going to seminary. And, uh, and I'd come in and I would hear this. And she'd be facing the wall. So I, I'm on that side of the bed. Just dead silent. I go, something wrong? So being really mature, I'd hop in bed and roll this way, back to back, right? That's the fighting position. And when you're in the fighting position, you don't dare let any part of your body go over to enemy territory. You don't want that toe brushing toe because if that toe comes by, you're going, you're not getting any toe off of me. I don't care who you are. You can play with your own toes. You're not getting any toe tonight, buddy, right? And you just have this spirit spirit of anger in there. And, and I can honestly, honestly say this, for, for the first three years, that's how I would know I was messed up. I was in trouble because I'd come to bed. She'd roll over and she'd even tuck the sheets in around, you know. She didn't want anything coming over there touching. And, and I'd go, what'd that do? Because most of the time I didn't know. So probably the last 20 years, we haven't had any of that because we've committed that we're going to fight fair. We're going to walk through all of our issues. 
it sounds so simple, right? Those of you who are married, is it simple? It takes work, doesn't it? takes commitment that we're going to work through these things and we're not going to let them destroy our marriage. We're seeking God. We're praying together because here's the deal. If you're doing this, if you've made these commitments, you're thinking, I got to pray with this person tonight. Or I'm about to pray with, it's hard to pray with somebody that you're just muttering a wet hen at, right? It's hard to pick up high heels and throw them at somebody that you're about to pray with, right? I've never done that. I'm just making it up, right? I, just, I have heard about it, but I've not done that. I don't have any high heels. <clears throat> it's hard to be intimate with God and have this spirit of unforgiveness and bitterness in your soul towards your spouse. So we're making commitments. We're going to seek God every day. We're going to pray. And some of you are going to be tempted to stop praying. Don't stop praying. Don't stop flossing, right? That's a keystone habit. You got to keep going. And, and I know that we've got some of you, some of you are fighting because you don't like the way he orders food at the drive-thru. Some of you, some of the dudes, you don't like how she leaves trash in her car. But we go to the other extreme in this church too. Some of you have come home and caught your spouse looking at porn. Some of you have been cheated on. And to make it even worse, they cheated on somebody who was supposedly one of your best friends. So I know we've got this wide spectrum of issues. And I understand that there's a complexity to all that, but I'm just going to tell you that when you seek God, you give God the opportunity to do something that's not of this world. And, and some of you are thinking, this marriage, there's nothing that can handle it. I'm just going to tell you that all things are possible with God. So if you'll seek God and you'll start to learn fair, God's uh, start to fight fair, God will infuse your marriage and he'll do some healing that you never thought was possible. Now, I want to give you four warning signs. This comes from, from Dr. Gottman. And if you have one or more of these signs, this is, this is a huge red flag that you need help. You need to go to somebody outside the situation and sit down and talk with them and, and you can come to me, Janie and I do a lot of that, but a lot of times we're going to have to refer you because you've got issues that go way back that we, we're not prepared to handle. And we may have to refer you to a professional counselor. But I'm going to give you these four right in a row and then we're going to talk through them. Criticizing, contempt, some of you are right and I'll give you a chance. Criticizing, contempt, defensiveness, and indifference. Now, let me explain. Criticizing and complaining are different. Complaining is, hey, you said you were going to do this and you didn't do it. How come you didn't do it? That's complaining. Criticizing is you never do what you say. Are you even a man? I've heard it. I've heard it sitting out there. I can't believe you would say something like that. That's, that's criticizing. Now, criticizing is going to lead to uh, the next step which is contempt. Contempt is, is a deeper problem because this is disgust. This is when you can't even think of something good to say about the other person. They come in, they do something, you roll your eyes, you immediately start saying things, um, and, and uh, you may be even thinking, I don't even like this person because here's the deal. This is what I tell everybody that I'm in premarital counseling with. I say there's a very short step from I don't like this thing you do to I don't like you. 
You know, and I give the example, when Janie and I got married, she was one of those squeeze in the middle of the, the uh, toothpaste. Made me crazy. You know how we fixed it? Two tubes of toothpaste. Squeeze all you want to, baby. I'm going to get every drop out of mine. And I am. She laughs at me because she'll come over because she always runs out of hers, and she'll try to take mine, and, and, and I'm like, you better go from the bo- bottom. You know, that's mine. And so you squeeze, but, but I'll go, I like to see how long I can go without buying a new tube of toothpaste. And I'm just squeezing that stuff out of there. Janie is one of those that when you put toilet paper on the, the holder, whichever way it goes, as long as it's near the holder, it's fine. I'm one of those, it needs to come over the top. There are scientific studies been done that you use less toilet paper when it comes over the top. You put it under, it rolls down, you waste toilet paper. That's a waste of money. <laughs> we've got to be careful that we don't criticize all those little things so it leads to contempt. So we say, I just don't like you. There's a difference in I don't like this, but I still like you. And uh, from there you go to defensiveness and defensiveness. Man, defensiveness is where you build this wall around your heart and you stay behind it and you just kind of lob out um, grenades at the other person. You're not letting anybody get in here and, and... (laughs) <laughs> and I talk to the dude, and he'll go, man, it's just her fault. If she'd do this and this and this and this, my life would be good. And then you talk to her, if he'd do this and this and this, my life would be good. And you're going, wow. And I'm telling you, it always takes two people. And, and when you get to the defensiveness, very, very short step to indifference. Did you know the opposite of love is not hate? The opposite of love is indifference. Indifference is, I don't give a rip if you live or die. There is nothing you can do that will cause me to respect or love you again. That's a dangerous place. And, and the sad thing is, a lot of people, right before they come to me, they're at indifference. And I go home and I say, we better pray that God smacks them both upside the head right now. Because they're going to get a divorce. And I've even told people, look, there's no reason for me to even meet with you. Because you don't like each other. You don't do anything that I've suggested. We're wasting our time. They were offended. But I'm like, I would rather be with my family than hang out with you. Because you're not interested in working on this. You're interested in, in, in pointing blame at somebody else. And I've, I don't have time for that. Anybody, y'all want to hang out with people that all they do is blame their spouse? No. I don't either. There's nothing you can do to change my mind and, and you're going to get a divorce at that point. So, here's what I want you to make a commitment to doing. If you're, if you're single, then I want you to, to start thinking through and praying through some ground rules for how you are going to fight and how you're going to be treated in an argument. Because you're going to get into arguments. If you're married, I want you to quit fighting each other. And I want you to get on the same team and fight against your enemy who wants to destroy you. I know Bradley, Bradley and I talk a lot, and he was in the war, and, and you have some brothers. In fact, you just went to see a bunch of guys, military guys, just to hang out with him. He has this, this brotherhood with guys who serve in the military. And, and it's because they were united in a common cause against a common enemy. You have an enemy that wants to destroy you. And it just makes sense. Let's get on the same team and let's fight this enemy and not allow him to win. Let's decide that our marriage is worth fighting for. Does that make sense? Because the reality is, 
Christians divorce just as much as non-Christians. And it should not be that way. We've got to become more picky on the other side before we get married. If we were as picky before we got married as we are when we get married, our marriages would last, I think. So we're going to do these commitments. I want you to just bow your heads for a minute. And I want you to think about a couple of things. Nobody looking around but me and God. How many of you would say, I'm in a marriage or in a relationship that's in some trouble? Would you raise your hands? There's several of you. Okay, you can put them down. There, there are some of you that are married or in a relationship that could be better. Let me see your hands. It's okay, but it could be better. Now, I'm just curious if there are any, any singles in the room that say, I will seek God while waiting on my spouse. Anybody willing to make that commitment today? I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, it's better to be lonely and single than married and lonely. That's a misery that you do not want to experience. Let's pray together. Father, I'm, I'm always amazed at, at how much hurt is in your kingdom. And it shouldn't surprise me because the enemy wants to destroy all of us so that nobody wants to be in your kingdom. But God, I pray for some healing. Those who raise their hands that their marriages are in trouble, God, would you intervene? Would you protect them from the attacks of the enemy? Would you send ministering angels and your Holy Spirit to fill each of these people? Give them the eyes to see each other the way you see them. Because God, if they get those eyes, their marriage will not only survive, it will thrive. Those whose, whose marriages are okay, but they want them to be better, God, I pray that, that they would be intentional about doing things that would bring them closer to their spouse instead of farther away. And Father, for the singles in this room, including the children, God, it's my prayer that they never have to go through divorce. If they've been divorced, that they'll never have to go through divorce again. Because I've seen the devastation, God, you have too. And you want more for them. Help them to be committed to doing things your way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We have three baskets at the back. One is our joy basket. Oh my goodness. Joy basket. All right. Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Two ways to give. You can give back there in the basket if you're one of those check people. There's a lot of you that are not check people. We talked about this last week. A lot of you uh, give online. And, and every week we get more and more people that are giving online. NLCCP.com. It's real easy. There's a giving tab button there. It takes you less than 30 seconds to set it up. Once it's set up, it takes you less than 15 seconds to give. Thank you for, for being faithful. Because every week our offering, we take a percentage. We take 3%. It goes towards what's going on in Haiti. We take 2% that goes into our savings, which also helps us with the bagel account. So I'm not even sure we're going to have to run a print, an accounting to see how much is in our bagel account right now. Bagel is building a great life. We'll get to that in a second. Second basket is our registration card basket. If you would fill out your cards on the back of, oh, oh, sorry, registration card basket. I got in a hurry. Um, I always ask you to write something on the back. If your marriage or relationship is in trouble, just write that on there. 
I'm the only one that's going to see that. They, they just stack them up for me. Nobody reads them but me, and I'll be praying over that. If, if your marriage is just okay, but you want it to be better, write that on there. And if you're one of those singles who made a commitment, say, I commit to do things God's way, and I'll just pray with you over those things. If you got prayer, uh, if answered to prayer, write that on there. Third is our bagel basket. Everything that goes in there is going towards this parking lot, towards 78000 whatever dollars. Sounds like a lot, doesn't it? Do what? Oh, I forgot to show you. Did I show you? Yeah, I showed it earlier. Yeah, they're, they're, they're messing with me from the back. That wasn't in the plan. Okay, stand up. Anybody hungry? Those that are hungry, go ahead. No, seriously, go ahead. You're dismissed. Get out of here. What? Oh, there is lunch. If you are interested in staying for the auction, if you want to know more about that, we've got lunch for you. We've got Shep's Barbecue and Baked Beans.